as I got out of my today, I was grabbing food and stuff. I heard God say this super clear to me. I'm going to say this to you, and I hope you take it in the right spirit. That in the next year, in the next season that we're walking to, is either you will love him wholly or you will deny him wholly. You will love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your spirit. Or you just won't. I know that's not the nicest, most happy-go-lucky, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, prophetic word you ever want to hear. And I'm sitting here going, God, what, what, okay, that's a little deep. Is that, is that a me word? Is that, it's a you and everybody word. Thought right now, either you're going to love me with the fullness of who you are, with everything that you have, with everything that you've got, or you're just not. Because we are, in a t- we, are, we are in a time and in a cultural position to where people do not fully keep a vow. We make commitments, we make plans, but we don't make vows because vows require a lot of us. That's deep. We were talking about even how, how the context of church is changing, of, 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 of the Christian experience is changing to where people don't, people, it's not like it used to be. You was here. And it, even with, with jobs, people change jobs like they change, like they change clothes. Relationships, people are quick to throw away relationships. And they end up throwing away the wrong ones and keeping the wrong people. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. So I was getting ready because I was going to preach a different, a different message today. I was going to go in the cookbook. And as I was getting ready, I heard a charge to keep I have and a God to glorify. That's one, that's one of the old songs. I don't know the whole song, but it's one of the old, old, old songs. A charge to keep I have and a God to glorify. And I'm saying, God, what, what, why, why are we talking about a charge to keep I have? Like, why are we going here? Because God is like, Remember the word I gave you yesterday. Either you are with me all the way, you are connected, you are following me, you're walking this out, you're doing the best you can. Yes, you might stumble and fall, but you remember that you made a promise or you just don't. So let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for this gathering. Lord God, we, I thank you that you have commissioned this word for this season and this time. So Lord God, I pray that you speak to me and through me as I give this word. Lord God, do not let my flesh, my emotions, my, my humanity block what you want to say to you. Lord God, give it to them like you gave it to me. And Lord God, we just give you glory and praise. We block any of anything or try to distract from the word or block from what God is trying to do in this place today. Lord God, I pray that all internet works in the name of Jesus. I pray, I pray that, that phone lines work in the name of Jesus, that there is no, that signals don't drop in the name of Jesus. So that way those people, that, that the people can hear what the spirit is saying to the church. In Jesus' name, amen. And Ecclesiastes, go to Ecclesiastes. 5, 1 through 7, Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 7. Let's see if it cooperates. It is still choosing violence, all right? Yes, please. Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 7.
and I know you're like, Cass, you just went, you went to the deep sides of the Bible on this when I showed it. Well, God told me, that's where God told me to go. Ecclesiastes. Thank you. It says this, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Better to approach in obedience than to offer the sacrifices fools do, for they ignorantly do wrong. Do not be hasty to speak. I think this is a sign. Do not be hasty to speak. And do not be impulsive to make a speech before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. Just as dreams accomplish much labor, so also a few with new words. When you make a vow to God, don't delay in fulfilling it. Because he does not delight in fools. Fulfill what you vow. I say fulfill what you vow. There we go. I got one person. Better that you do not vow than that you, you vow and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth bring guilt on you and do not say in the presence of the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry with your words and destroy the work of your hands? For many dreams bring fertility, so do many words. Therefore, fear God. I want to jump back to verse 4. When you make a vow to God, do not delay fulfilling it because he does not delight in fools. Fulfill what you vow. Better that you do not vow than that you vow and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth bring guilt on you and do not say in the presence of the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry with your words and destroy the work of your hands? For many dreams bring fertility, so do many words. Therefore, fear God. Pretty much, I'm going to simplify this for you. If you make a promise before God, keep it. If God says, if you're like, hey, God, I'm going to do this, guess what you're about to do? This. And I'm sitting there going, okay, I'm like, God, why are we talking about vows? Why are you talking about vows? And I'm going to give you my past two weeks when, we, when, when the decision finally came for us to, to stay or go. I, I was at my job at the time, and I said, let me call, Lord God, whatever this person's, the, whatever the property manager's it, answer is determines our next step. I called them and said, hey, here's the situation. We're financially, we, we can't swing this. However, we really want to be able to work with you to try not to, uh, not to have to leave the space. And I said, this is how much we can give you. And I got a call back in 15 minutes. That never happens. Get a call back. The owner said, no. All right. And I was, at this point, tail spinning because I'm going, God, what did I miss? What, 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 what's going on? Like, we just had, like, God, you just gave me this big old elevation, this big old, like, I'm a bishop, I'm a bishop now, and all this stuff, you know. We've been through all this stuff. And then it's like, like we have, we've necked this building out. We have made community partnerships. We, we have done the best we could with this building. What is going on? God, God said, 
does a building stop what you have been called to do? I'm like, God, it makes it a lot easier. He said, I ain't asked for that. Does the building stop what I've called for you to do? Because we are married to the concepts in, in, in American Christianity to where we have to have this to be effective, to have this big old space, big old building to be effective. And God, God, God reminded me, he said, remember in 2020 when you were just up in a little bitty office? Yeah. And people were trying to figure out where you were? Yeah. But you preached in that office like 200 people were in that office every Sunday. Yeah. You have forgotten what you have promised me. And then I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus. I always made a promise to myself. Even with starting this church. I don't care if it is just me. The work and the will and the plan of God is still going to come to pass. The work doesn't stop. And in making that vow, you think I don't have any notes up here. <laughs> in fulfilling that vow has not was has not been easy in five years at all. My lovely wife can tell you it has not been easy. But I know that I'd rather fight and fulfill God's promise than to say, hey, hey, well, well. Because I'm not going to lie when I, told you to, when I tell you that I, I, the thought of clothing the church could complete has crossed my mind several times. Several times. Because within myself, I did not understand the full magnitude of what God is doing. And for a lot of us right now, we don't understand the full magnitude of what God is doing. Yes, again, this is going to be on the radio. It's not going to be, ah, no, this is going to be, so the whole region is going to hear, hear all these words. So y'all, welcome to the room. God wants us to complete what he has asked for us and what we have promised to start. Let's talk about it on a personal level. We make promises to ourselves every year. New Year's Eve is coming up real fast at the time when this is going to be broadcast. It's going to be three or four days before New Year's Eve. And we're going to be, well, what's our resolution? The resolution, what people fail to realize is that they make a commitment to themselves. For that year, they're going to do this one thing. And here's the reality. Typically, resolutions don't last past the first week because you resolve to do something, but you neither commit to it or, or make a vow to do it. 
when you resolve to do something, you have the strength. It's on your to-do list. It's something that you want to do. But most people go beyond the resolution. Then some people get to commitment. That means they have they have resolved. They have settled it in their mind that this is what they're going to do. And then they make a plan that, okay, we'll make this plan. But when it's time for execution of the plan, uh, or they begin to execute the plan, but the very first time something goes down, I'm out. I, that sounds like me on a lot of stuff. But then there is the vow. I, when you make a vow to yourself and you say, self, we, we, have made, we have resolved to do this. This is the plan. And the vow is I start the plan out and the first sign, sign of trouble, I don't up. I don't try to freak out. I don't say, I don't go, oh my God, you know what? Maybe pick up, pick, pick myself up and keep going. That's the vow. If I eat a cookie, it's not the end of the world. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. I have, but I have to remember that I made a vow that I made a vow that in December of this year, I'm going to have a certain. If you say I'm going to stop smoking, some people have a cold turkey anointing, praise God, but some of us don't. For some people, that means you might have to have some Nicorette. Some people might have to walk around with a carrot or a toothpick in their mouth. Some people might have to go, go get some therapy. Some people might need to have a toes out, whatever you need to do to get there. But, but, you have, but you have to settle it in your mind that this is what I'm going to do. Are y'all getting what I'm saying? Are y'all getting what I'm saying? So let's talk about this. For five years, we have existed as a ministry. We have seen the highest of heights. We have seen the lowest of lows. Y'all, honestly, two, this is the longest we have been in one spot. Technically, we've been in two because we're not completely leaving. We have our hub. Like, we have the hub, so we're not homeless, praise God, huh? But we have made a commitment that no matter what, not even a commitment, a vow, that no matter what happens, we will be here. We will still exist. We will still function because God has called us to this area. We have been through people, whole, pretty much whole chunk of the church leaving. We have been through scandal. We have, we have been through it. But we made a vow. We made a promise that we will fulfill the vision that God has given us. What is true vision's vision? We are a multicultural, multi-generational expression of God's love on the earth. We're not your normal church. We are a community of believers that are praying for each other. We are a culture of sharers. We, yes, we work saving and healing, aligning and reconciling, equipping and releasing. And that, and to do be a culture of shares, it can't just be a Sunday morning experience. That we are a, a an authentic community of believers. It, we, it might be a messy family, but we are family, and family upholding each other, family prays for each other because we see what God sees, not what our flesh sees. That's the vow.
But I'm going to tell you about somebody named Samson real quick. I'm just going to talk. Judges 13 to 16 will bless you. Hallelujah. So in Judges 13, Samson's mama gets a visit. So verses 1 through 7 says this, the Israelites again did what was evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Philistines 40 years. There was a certain man from Zorah and from the family of Dan, whose name was Manoah. His wife was unable to conceive and he had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, although you are unable to conceive and have no children, you will give birth to a son. Now, please be careful not to drink wine or beer or to eat anything unclean, for indeed you will conceive and give birth to a son. You must never cut his hair, because the boy will be a Nazarite to God from birth, and he will begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. Then a woman told her husband, a man of God came to me. He looked like an, the awe-inspiring angel of God. I didn't ask him where he came from. He didn't tell me his name. He said to me, you will conceive and give birth to a son. Therefore, do not drink wine or beer and do not eat anything unclean because the boy will be a Nazarite to God from, the, from birth until the day of his death. The, da the, da the, da the daddy pretty much said, uh, well, just to make sure it's the thing, we're going to reconfirm it, but it didn't happen, praise God. So the Nazarite vow, the Nazarite law is three things. It was three things. Don't drink wine or beer. Don't touch anything or clean. Don't cut your hair. Everybody got that? Don't touch anything or clean. Don't drink alcohol. Don't cut your hair. This was the vow designed to keep not just, not just her but her son holy unto the Lord. And it's funny, not even funny, we know this, when you make a promise to God, what is the enemy, what's the first thing the enemy take, tries to take out? The promise. <laughs> That's the reality. Like he literally tries to kill the promise. So let's jump to Judges, Judges 15. Actually, Judges 14. Sorry. So this is verse 5. So pretty much before this, um, Sam said his father are having an argument like, uh, do you really need to marry a Philistine? Like, you know, could you not? And then Sam says like, guess what? We about to. All right. So Starting at verse 5, Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Suddenly a young lion came roaring at them. The spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he tore the lion apart with his bare hands, that he might have torn a young goat. But he did not tell his father or mother what he had done. 
that he went and spoke to the woman because she seemed right to Samson. After some time, when he returned to marry her, he left the road to his carcass, and there was a swarm of bees with honey in the carcass. He used the honey into his hands and ate it as he went along. When he came to his father and mother, he gave some to them and they ate it. But he did not tell them what he had scooped, that he had scooped the honey from the lion's carcass. Mm. <laughs> so the rule that he just broke was do not touch an unclean thing. Because literally, anything dead in Mosaic law is considered ceremonially unclean which thus made the honey that he ate unclean. You're going to see a running thread in, this, in, in, in the judge's story. Because Samson, like us, knew what the vow was, understood the vow, but didn't understand the weight of the vow. This man was strong when the spirit of the Lord came upon him. He was strong. He was powerful. Like, you know, but, but he didn't understand the value of stewarding that vow. It's like us. We, we, when we become Christians, become saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts, and all this other stuff. And this is something that people get mad at me about is because I always teach about stewarding the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Meaning there has to be something, there has to be a life behind your gift. It can't just be, oh, I'm going to get up, I'm, I'm going to do, 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 at church and all the other stuff, but there's no, there's no fruit. There has to be life. There has to be something behind what you're living. And the reality is this. What bothers me is when people go, I, all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. You knew exactly what happened because you didn't steward what God gave you. You didn't maintain the vow. Remember the difference between a resolution commitment and a vow. Resolution, you thought about it. A commitment, you thought about it and you planned about it. You might have started it, but after the first challenge, you fall off. A vow is, I don't care what happens. Not care, care. I don't care what happens. I don't know. I, it doesn't matter what you try. Whatever, I'm going to do what I, what, what I promise to do. Because Samson's thirst was real, he touched the unclean thing. Then, let's talk about the familiar text, Samson and Delilah, Judges 16. And pretty much, I'm going to, I'm, it's a lot, but I'm just going to tell you it. He pretty much, tells, pretty much gives up all his secrets. He's got his head in Delilah's lap because, again, thirsty, just he was real parched, real thirsty. Samson, where's your power come from? If I was just wondering, hey, Samson, where's your power come from? I'm going to tell him, but because he, he, he wanted a woman, he was thirsty. The thirst was real. Laid up in Delilah's lap. Samson, where did your power come from? he starts telling all the secrets. My power is in my hair. If you cut my hair, I'm powerless. Oh, by the way, if you bring me, if you tie me up in seven new ropes, you can't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm powerless. 
not knowing, not knowing that Delilah, sister girl, was actually working for his enemy. Can we talk, can we talk about this for a second? Let's talk about this for a second. I'm actually almost done. Some people ain't for you. There are some people who, no matter what you do, they might seem like they're for you in your face, but behind your back, baby, they're the first one. I can't believe. I can't stay. Why did you? It, 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 it. Get real close to you or get close to you because they want something from you. And they are able to exploit your weaknesses so that way they can get what they need or the others who are in the ear can get what they need and get what they want. This is the battle that we have because we make commitments, we make vows, and then here comes something, something built and stacked and just right coming to your direction, looking at you like, hey, and then your knees buckle like, hey. <laughs> Like your your knees get weak and buckled, you all distracted, you all feel some type, you all feel some type of way. Because your weakness showed up. Again, Samson was if you look at the narrative, something that the narrative doesn't explicitly say but implies that Samson was lonely. Samson had the power of the of, of the Lord, but he wanted somebody to share the power of the Lord with. In the human existence, me, me with my introverted self, you still need friends. You still need people that you can connect to. But you have to be careful. This is one of the biggest lessons I've learned in my life. Be careful who you open the door to. Be careful who you let into the room. Be careful who you let into your life. Because for many of us, the thing that kills the vow is people. People. The theme that killed the vow is people. Why am I going here? When you make a vow for yourself, you have to make a problem. Here's like ultimately, like I there's some people I run into, and I just look at them I already know they're gonna be trouble. I said, listen, I'm not giving up my oil for you. I don't care how much money you got to offer, how much I'm not giving, I'm not giving the fullness of who I am. I'm not giving up my oil. I'm not giving up my anointing because you think you got something better. I, that, that, that ain't it. Like even, like even in dealing with recovery, it is crucial of people who are around you initially after recovery are, it's very crucial. You have people who are sane, who are standing with you, who got your back, who are not going to draw you into old temptations when you're in recovery. Because they'll offer you the world, but then turn around and offer you your death. Am I talking right? I'm talking right. All Samson had to do was get out the Lila's lap. All Samson had to do was get up and walk out. But because he felt comforted and safe, with her, 
because he felt like he could trust her. He, he broke the vow. It's messed up. He broke the vow. So I've been asking myself since this morning when God dropped this message on me, why are you giving me Samson as the example? Could have just said, don't break a vow. Why are we talking about Samson? Why do we have to bring up Samson? Because one of, some of the, one of the biggest mistakes I've made as a pastor is allowing myself at times to listen to the wrong voices. To be surrounded by the wrong people or someone offer me something. And I either, I'm not supposed to take it at all, or I don't follow the, the exact instructions. So I'm trying to save y'all from a lot of heartache here. You have to be willing. You have to be willing to be like, mm -mm. really, all that would have saved Samson from, from Delilah was he, if he got up, got up off her lap, said, girl, I'm going to grab my cloak. You, you tripping. I got to stick up. There are some people, there are some things that you cannot entertain even though it might fulfill that need for you. I know for, for me and for the church right now, God is reminding me of what made us who we are. The vow that we made to this community. And we have fulfilled it, but God is calling us to fulfill it in a much different and much greater way in the next three years. Right, we have we have to fulfill it in a different way, but we have to be willing to do what is necessary to get it done. If something is keeping us from fulfilling the charge that God has given us, we have to let it go. As much as I love this space, it's time for us to move forward. Do I want to leave it? No. But I don't want this place to become an idol either. God has given us a, char a charge to keep we have. The story of, of, of Samson ends in a way that's very interesting. He reveals his secrets to Samson and Samson and, and then Delilah cuts off his hair and calls in these guys while he's sleeping to, bind, to tie him up with seven, with seven um, brand new ropes. And then she wakes him up. She wakes him up. He tries to shake, shake, because what he would do, he would shake, and the power of God would come on. He would try to shake, ain't no power. He was, he was literally unplugged in the spirit. So he was bound up and put in jail. And as he was in jail, his hair began to grow back. And his strength came back. And then there was this big feast. And they and the people were like, oh, let's get Samson. You know, he weak now. He ain't got no power. And okay. So they bring Samson and bound up. And they're like, Samson, show your strength. But they feel to realize that Samson, Samson went bald no more. He had hair now. So he began to push on the wall on, on two pillars. Classic picture. Two pillars. 
push and push and push and push and push until the building fell down and him and all in the building perished. God can still use that moment of weakness. God can still use that situation, that temporary thing that might, have seen as, might be seen as a setback to still fulfill the plan of God. For many people who are watching from the outside right now, they're probably just finding out that, we, that, we're, that we've decided that, that we're moving out of the space, we're going back to the hub and all this other stuff. And for some people, they're like, well, I knew they couldn't, I knew they couldn't beat it, I knew they couldn't sustain it, blah, 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 blah. But I know beyond a shadow of a doubt because as everything began to happen, God's been speaking to me real heavy about where we're going as a church next. Not just as this building, but churches. As, as gatherings of believers. And it is something way bigger than this can hold or, or contain. So while we, so while we lack hair, we don't, we don't really like hair. We might be thin and praise God. But, but, but give us a year. Because what people fail to realize that that prison was, was, was um, Samson's secret place. All he had was God and opportunity. What God has been showing me, then I'm done because I feel like I went over. What God has been showing me is the blips on the map that I always saw in my visions for this church. And that we are going to be just a command center of many, not just a big old building of one. That makes sense? That we will be a we, we will be a command center. Lancaster will be a command center for many rather than just being a big old building of one. So excuse us while we get our hair back so that way we can do the work of the kingdom. Amen. Amen.